Chapter 4 Now settle yourself in, Hazel, Mrs. Cartier said, leading down to the cat. Myra is going to read to us. The old woman smiled as the cat obediently hopped up onto the couch beside her. Do begin, Myra. I'm so much enjoying this book, largely because of your excellent reading of it. Thank you, Mrs. Cartier. Myra opened the book and shuffled through the pages until she found chapter 4. Before she could begin reading, there was a loud knock at the door. Now, who could that be? Mrs. Cartier asked, leaning on her cane as she struggled to her feet. The knock repeated a little louder. Hold your horses, we're coming. Myra got to the door first and pulled it open. A balding, middle-aged man with a red face glared at her angrily. Despite the heat of the afternoon sun, he was wearing a charcoal gray wool suit. He mopped his broad forehead with an already wet handkerchief. Myra saw that he was carrying a peach in his other hand. Where's Mrs. Cartier? he demanded without saying hello or giving Myra any kind of greeting. I'm coming, I'm coming, Mrs. Cartier called from behind Myra. Is that you again, Mr. Clean? It's Kleeg, not clean, he shouted angrily. His face got even redder. What do you want this time, Mr. Clean? Mrs. Cartier asked, appearing beside Myra in the doorway. He rolled his eyes and held up the peach. What do you think? he asked nastily. Oh, not the peaches again. I already told you. There's nothing I can do about that. Myra took a step back. Mr. Clean or Kleeg or whoever he was was looking more and more unpleasant. You have to do something about it, he said. I've asked you six times. I'm not asking you any more. The peaches from your tree fall all over my backyard. Well, enjoy them, Mrs. Cartier snapped. Myra, close the door. I can't mow my lawn. I can't walk in my yard because of your peaches, the neighbor screamed. I can't make the peaches stay up in the tree, Mrs. Cartier said. Myra saw that her eyes were glowing. She's really enjoying this, Myra realized. Mr. Kleeg turned and stepped off the front porch. I'm going to cut down the tree. That's what I'm going to do. He heaved the peach angrily. It bounced off the frame of the screen door. Calm down, Mr. Clean, Mrs. Cartier warned gently. You're not going to do anything of the kind. Don't get so worked up in this heat. Something terrible could happen to you. He cursed loudly and stormed off in the direction of his house. Oh, that man. What a nuisance, Mrs. Cartier muttered, more to herself than to Myra. What a nuisance. She turned to Myra and smiled. Close the door, please. Myra started to close the door, then stopped. Oh, look, he dropped his handkerchief, she said. She opened the screen door, bent down, and picked it up off the porch floor. Should I run and return it to him? Mrs. Cartier's eyes lit up, and her dark lips formed a very pleased smile. No, no, dear, don't return it to him. Hand it to me. She grabbed a damp handkerchief from Myra's hand and tucked it into the pocket of her skirt. Then she headed back to the couch. If he wants it, he can come get it. Now, let's read our chapter. As Myra began to read, her mind wandered. She thought about Walker. He'd be back from vacation on Saturday. She wondered if he was thinking of her. Maybe right at this very moment. She tried to send out a mental signal to him as she continued to read the tiny type. She formed a picture of him in her mind. His short blonde hair, his blue eyes, his shy smile. I'm thinking of you, Walker. I'm thinking of you. Are you thinking of me? He'd be proud of me, she thought. Walker was very serious about magic. He wanted to be a professional magician, and he was into mental telepathy and psychic powers. Myra had never thought much about that stuff. But in the few weeks they had been seeing each other, Walker had taught her a lot. He'd be pleased to know that I'm trying to communicate with him this way, she thought. Suddenly, she realized that Mrs. Cartier was talking to her. What? I'm so sorry, Myra said. I was so caught up in the book, I didn't hear you. That's okay. You're reading so beautifully, Mrs. Cartier said, stroking Hazel. I'm glad you're enjoying it, too. 
She started to get up. But I'm feeling tired this afternoon. I guess it's the heat. Would you be so kind as to help me up the stairs to my room? Of course, Myra said, putting down the book and hurrying over to give the old woman a hand. You can go home early. I'm going to take a nap. Myra helped Mrs. Cotty up the stairs and down the hall into the bedroom. She said goodbye and went back downstairs, thinking again of Walker, wondering if he had gotten her mental message. She hoisted the heavy book back onto the shelf and, preparing to leave, noticed Mrs. Cotty's cane on the floor in front of the couch. I better take it up for her, Myra told herself. She was almost to the top of the stairs with the cane when Hazel appeared above her on the landing. The cat's yellow-green eyes flared. She arched her back and hissed at Myra. Hazel, what's wrong with you? Myra scolded. Why do you keep doing that? It's only me. She climbed another few steps. The cat stared down at her with her back still arched. How quickly they forget, Myra said. We're friends, remember? The cat hissed menacingly in reply. It's almost as if she doesn't want me to come upstairs, Myra thought. But then she realized that was silly. Just because she's a black cat, you don't have to start imagining that she's different from other cats, Myra scolded herself. She's probably hissing at a bug or a mouse or nothing at all. She brushed past Hazel, who stared up at her, looking surprised that Myra had dared to challenge her. She carried the cane to Mrs. Cartier's room. The door was half open. The room was dark except for a narrow rectangle of light from the window. Mrs. Cartier sat up stiffly on her bed facing the wall. Her eyes seemed to be closed. Myra hesitated at the doorway. Mrs. Cartier? she called softly. The old woman didn't answer. Myra saw that she had Mr. Cleague's white handkerchief in her hand. Mrs. Cartier? Again, no reply. Is she in a trance or something? Myra wondered. What is she doing? She took a step into the room. The cat suddenly rubbed against her legs, startling her. The room felt cold, much colder than the hallway. Mrs. Cartier didn't move. I'd better get out of here, Myra thought. She propped the cane up against the wall and ran down the stairs without looking back. Chapter 5 Myra, you really think she's a witch? Well, she has a black cat, and her house is filled with all sorts of strange things, animal feet and stuff, and she has a drawer full of black candles hidden in her bedroom, and she was sitting on her bed in some kind of a trance, at least she looked like she was in a trance, holding that man's handkerchief. What would you think? I would think that you have a very vivid imagination. Myra was in her room, brushing her hair as she talked on the phone to her best friend, Donna Cash. It was a Friday morning, a few minutes before she had to leave for work. There's got to be a logical explanation here, Donna said. Well, sure there's a logical explanation, Donna. Mrs. Cartier is a witch. Well, Donna said thoughtfully, I really don't believe it. Why don't you just ask her? What do I say? Are you a witch, Mrs. Cartier? That's kind of personal, isn't it, Donna? I guess. Besides, I'm not supposed to know about the black candles or anything, and she'd probably freak if she knew I saw her in that trance. I guess... Mrs. Cartier is always so nice to me, Myra said. It's hard to believe that. You'd just better stay on her good side, Donna said. Yeah, you're probably right. Hey, I was only joking. Come on, Myra, lighten up. You don't really believe that people can cast spells on other people, do you? I just keep remembering something Link's sister Stephanie told us, Myra said, dropping the hairbrush, not bothering to pick it up. Remember, she was always talking about those weird books on the occult from the library? Yeah, Stephanie was really into that for a while. I think it was before she discovered sex, Donna laughed. She was a tiny girl, shortest in the class, but she had a raucous laugh. Well, we were over at Stephanie's one day, and... And you were probably coming on to Link, right? Give me a break, Donna. Stephanie was reading to us from this book on witchcraft, and it said that in order to cast a spell, a witch needs an item of clothing or belonging of the victims. 
and they remembered the happy look of Mrs. Cotty's face when that poor man left his handkerchief behind. And then there she was, holding it so tightly with her eyes closed, and... Whoa, slow down, Myra, Donna interrupted. Then Myra heard her yell to her mother, I'm getting off the phone, just give me one second. I've got to get off too, Myra said, glancing at the clock. Well, you sound too serious about this witchcraft stuff, Donna said. It's all just a crock, Myra. Your problem is you've been hanging out with Walker too much. Now, what's that supposed to mean, Myra snapped. She hadn't meant to sound so angry. Nothing, it's just that he believes all that mystical magic stuff, and now you do too. You don't like Walker, do you? Myra said accusingly. I didn't say that. Walker's okay. He's just weird, that's all. You think he's weird because he's interested in something, Myra said, surprising herself at how angry she felt. It's not like all the other boys at school who just like to party and mess around. He has an ambition. He's serious about something. He's pretty cute too, Donna said, obviously trying to keep it light. I'm sorry, Myra said quickly. I didn't mean to give you a hard time. I guess I'm just nervous about Mrs. Cotier and about seeing Walker Sunday night for the first time in two weeks. Yeah, you sounded pretty intense, but that's okay. Well, I know kids at school think Walker is strange because he's into magic, and because he's really shy, but I don't want my best friend to think he's strange too. I don't, Donna said. I mean, I don't really know him that well. Okay, okay, I'm getting off the phone. Hey, speaking of Stephanie, have you seen her since you broke up with Link? No, not really. Once, I guess. As soon as school ended, she started a summer job, too. She's an assistant in a daycare center or something. But she's home at nights, right? She could have called you. Donna, you're a troublemaker. What are friends for? You think Stephanie is mad at me because I broke up with her brother. I don't know. Well, thanks for planting that idea in my mind. I needed something else to worry about. I gotta go. Me too. Give Walker a big kiss for me Sunday. Donna, get your own boyfriend. Get a life. Get something. Get lost. Both girls laughed and hung up with the phone. It's nice to have such a secure friendship, Myra thought. Donna and I can say what we're really thinking to each other and know that it won't damage her feelings for each other. However, she did wish that Donna hadn't reminded her about Stephanie. Stephanie and Link were so close, it was very unusual. They didn't fight or compete like other brothers and sisters. Even though Stephanie was nearly Link's age, she really looked up to her brother, worshipped him even. Donna's probably right, Myra thought, as she took one last look at herself in a mirror, straightened the shoulder strings of her green and white sundress, and headed down the stairs. Stephanie is probably furious at me for dumping her brother. That's why she hasn't called all summer. Oh well, she thought with genuine sadness, I guess I lost a good friend as well as a boyfriend. Myra saw the ambulance as she turned the corner onto Fear Street. Oh no, Mrs. Cartier, she cried aloud, and started to run across the neighbor's lawns to the house. But as she came closer, she realized that the ambulance wasn't parked in front of Mrs. Cartier's. It was parked in front of the house next door. She stopped in Mrs. Cartier's driveway and watched as two tall paramedics, dressed in white, carried a stretcher down the walk to the ambulance. Covered up to his chin by a white blanket, the man lying on the stretcher groaned in pain, his eyes shut tight. Myra recognized him at once. It was Mr. Kleeg. The paramedics slid the stretcher into the back of the ambulance and secured the doors. A few seconds later, the ambulance pulled away from the curb, its red light flashing, reflecting against the green tree leaves overhead. Myra looked up toward Mrs. Cartier's house. There, the old woman was standing behind the screen door, Hazel in her arms. She had been watching the whole scene. Mrs. Cartier, what happened? Myra called, jogging up to the porch. Mrs. Cartier had an excited smile on her face, but as Myra approached, she changed her expression to a more somber one. 
Poor Mr. Clean, she said, holding open the screen door for Myra. What an awful, awful thing. But what? What happened? Myra cried out of breath. Poor Mr. Clean, Mrs. Cotte replied. He fell and broke his hip. Oh, that must be painful. She shook her head. I warned him something bad would happen the way he was carrying on yesterday. Oh, that poor, poor man. Chapter 6 Walker greeted her shyly, stepping out of the front of his house, giving her a nervous half-smile and reaching out his hand to shake hers. He was wearing jeans with holes at the knees and a Phoenix Suns t-shirt, which he'd probably picked up on his vacation. She laughed. He looked so stiff and awkward trying to shake hands with her. She dodged around his hand, hopped up on tiptoes, and kissed him quickly on the cheek. She loved the way he blushed. Just two pink circles on his white cheeks. Hey, you've been traveling out west for two weeks. How come you don't have a tan? she asked, taking his arm and guiding him to the front yard. I don't know, he said, shrugging. I guess maybe if we stopped driving and stepped out of the car for three minutes, I might have gotten some sun. Where did you go? I only got one postcard from you, the one with the cactus. He sighed and shook his head. It was incredible. We went everywhere. We drove the southern route out, then came back by the northern route. The desert was the most beautiful part. It just stretched on forever, so flat and white, like a gigantic ocean. Did you go to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, I think I hypnotized one of the mules there. She laughed and pulled him down onto the grass beside her. You were practicing your hypnotism? He looked embarrassed. A little. The mule didn't want to go down the canyon, so I did a little hocus-pocus. You're joking. Yes, I am, he said and laughed. I'd love this laugh, she thought. He laughs so seldom. He's usually so serious, but he looks so cute when he laughs. She took his hand, surprised at how cold it was. He's nervous, too, she thought. For some reason, it made her feel good. You have the biggest hands, she said. She pressed her palm against his, spreading her fingers out against his. Look, his fingers were nearly two inches longer. Big hands are good for magic, he said. I can palm a rabbit. He pulled his hand away and reached into his pocket. Show you a new card trick. He always had a deck of cards in his back jeans pocket. Card tricks are dorky, she said. It was okay. It wasn't the first time she had told him that. Yeah, I know. He grinned and held up the deck. Pick a card. He showed her three new card tricks. She tried really hard, but she couldn't figure out how he did them. He really was a good magician, she decided. He really had talent. He removed a quarter from his pocket. Let me show you some close-up I practiced in the car. Why don't you show me some pizza instead, she asked, standing up and trying to pull him up off the grass. He was so long and lanky. She felt as if she were trying to pick up a giant. Pizza? I don't know that trick. I'm starving, she cried. She gave his hand another tug and he came up, pulling her off balance and almost knocking her over. Oh, sorry. The two pink spots appeared on his pale cheeks. She reached up both hands, pulled down his head, and kissed him on the lips. Glad to see you, she said, looking into his ocean blue eyes. She was disappointed that he looked so uncomfortable. He seemed to loosen up a bit at Ray's Pizza Place in the Division Street Mall. I like your son, Tress, he said, wiping cheese off his chin with a paper napkin. I, I've never seen your shoulders before. I have two of them, she said. I know. I counted. The waitress brought their cokes. Hey, where are the beads, he asked. What? The beads I gave you. Myra automatically reached for them around her neck, but of course they weren't there. Mrs. Cotier has them. Her cat broke them, and she's going to restring them for me. She may have forgotten about them. I'd better remind her, Myra thought. I'll show you a trick with this straw, Walker said, changing the subject. He twirled the straw easily between his fingers until it completely disappeared. How'd you do that? she asked. 
He opened his other hand. The straw was in it, folded in half. How'd you do it? she repeated. She raised a long finger to his lips. Shh, I can't reveal that. Well then, tell me more about your vacation. She took a big bite of pizza and tomato sauce squirted across the table. How'd you do that? he joked. It's magic, she said, her mouth full. There's nothing much to tell about the vacation. I was with my parents, remember? Did you fight with your dad about your magic? A little. He was pretty good, though. I mean, he still thinks I should be a lawyer. He does magic tricks on the side. But he didn't bring it up too often. Only every 200 miles or so. And your mom? She was busy pointing out each and every horse or cactus. I had to keep reminding her that I'm 16, not 6. She took his hand in hers. I'm glad you're back. As they walked out of the restaurant and into the brightly lit mall, Walker started to look uncomfortable again. You know, Myra, I'm really sorry about last time. What? Our last date. I've been wanting to apologize. Myra was very confused. She looked up at him, trying to read his thoughts. What was there to apologize about? All she remembered were the kisses, the long, tender kisses. It was a wonderful night, she remembered. She'd felt so close to him that night. She had even wished that he hadn't been so shy, that he had wanted to go further than just kisses. Such thoughts. Apologize for what? she asked. It was a really nice night. He seemed very pleased, even relieved by this answer. Well, okay. It's just that I got you home so late. I was worried that maybe you got into trouble. He put his arms around her shoulder, and they continued walking happily through the nearly empty mall. Mom? You're still up? Myra was startled to see her mother in a leather armchair in a living room. The room was dark except for the hall light behind them. Oh, uh, hi! Mrs. Barnes shook herself awake and stood up quickly. She was still wearing her white nurse's uniform. I guess I fell asleep in the chair. I got home about two hours ago. Well, why didn't you go to bed? Myra asked, yawning. I didn't think I was tired, she stretched. Now I know I'm tired. Did you have a good time with Walker? Yeah, fine. Myra never talked much about Walker to her mother. She wasn't sure how her mother felt about him. She was always praising Link to the sky, telling Myra what a nice boy he was. When Myra broke up with Link, her mother tried, but didn't succeed in hiding her disappointment. She had never offered an opinion about Walker. Did he enjoy his vacation out west? Yeah, I guess it was great. They went everywhere. Myra yawned again. And he got to practice his magic a lot in the car. Mrs. Barnes shook her head. He certainly is devoted to his magic. Myra couldn't tell how her mother meant that but she was too tired to get into it. Guess I'll go to bed. You working tomorrow? Yeah, early morning shift. I've got to leave in a few hours, believe it or not. You go on. I'll close up. Her mother suddenly looked a lot older to Myra, or maybe it was just the harsh hall light. Myra said goodnight and started up the stairs. Oh, I almost forgot. That was one of her mother's most irritating habits, Myra realized. She always remembered something when you were halfway up the stairs and you had to turn around and go back down to hear what it was. Link called about an hour and a half ago. Link? Oh, brother. Myra made a face. What did you tell him? I told him you weren't here. It seemed like the right thing to say, especially since you weren't here. That was her mother's idea of a joke. He doesn't give up, Myra muttered. To her surprise, she realized she was a little bit flattered. Link really isn't such a bad guy, she thought. Sometimes things just don't work out, that's all. She called goodnight to her mother again, and thinking about Link, headed up to her room. That night was the night she had the dream for the first time. In the dream, she was standing on the shore of a lake. The water was light blue, the same color as the sky. She was surrounded by blue. Suddenly, she stepped into the lake. She didn't sink. She started to walk. 
She was walking on the surface of the blue, blue water, looking up at the blue sky. Not at all surprised that she could walk over the water. She took a few steps, then a few steps more. The water felt so cold under her bare feet. Suddenly, she had the feeling that she was being watched. Someone was watching her from the shore. It made her feel uncomfortable. Who was there? Who was watching? She tried to see, but she couldn't. Feeling very uncomfortable, very unhappy, she took another step across the lake, then another. It became very windy. Her clothing was blowing all around her. The lake water lapped up over her ankles. Who was there? Who was watching her? Myra opened her eyes and found herself surrounded by darkness. This wasn't the darkness of her bedroom. She was awake now. The dream was over. So why didn't her bedroom come back into focus? Her bare feet were so cold, so wet. She looked down and saw that she was standing in tall, wet grass. Her nightgown fluttered around her in the wind. The front of her house loomed above her like a silent, giant creature. Where am I? How did I get here? She wrapped her arms around herself and stared up at the house. Was this her house? Why did it look so different? It's so dark, so cold and so dark. Why am I standing here? The trees whispered and swayed. The ground seemed to tell. She held her arms out to steady herself. Then she saw that the front door was wide open. Did I walk here? Did I walk out here in my sleep? Something is wrong, Myra thought. Something is horribly wrong.